Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Huzzah! Welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman, and uh, this me, that weird old dude who walks around the hospital with his bare butt hanging out, but he's not even a patient. Jason, Jason Smith. Smith. Um, speaking of, uh, speaking of the hospital, I'm in a very good mood. How about you? I'm in a great mood. I'm in a fired up mood. I've been, uh, so I mean, my stuck at homies know my mom was in the hospital and that's why I'm in Phoenix hanging out yep. in a, in a residence in at the Mayo clinic. Anybody wants to party with me at the pool too bad. We got a social distance. Stay away. Um, but, uh, we are, yeah, we, we are here, we are here at, <laughs> we're here at the Mayo clinic and, uh, my mom um, had surgery. Linda today. Hazelberry. Linda, Linda Hazelberry. Hazelberry, and she is is done. She's out. She's uh, she's ready. She she made it through let's with flying some, colors. A round of applause. Let's get that's a right. Real, let's, where's our audio applause? Yes. That, we love so you, she, Linda. We're so happy that you're okay. We've been going through. J- Jason and I tell them about these text things that come. Oh from yeah, me. yeah, yeah. Oh, this so, is incredible. It's great. It's just like um, it's just like Uber Eats. So you order. Basically, you order a, um, a surgery. They let you know when, uh, you know, when you're, when it's your turn, they let you know, like a spit your, take there. <laughs> they tell you, I get a text message. Okay. Uh, she's going into the operating room. Okay. We're starting now. Uh, anesthesia has been done, you know, like she's doing great. You know, procedure continues, uh, uh pr- procedure almost over doctor will call you in 15 minutes yeah doctor this is called. amazing she's doing well by the way yeah. like you get that text during the surgery like someone's he's like nurse text the uh patient's uh, next of kin that uh she's doing well yeah and they're like yeah. I, I i don't doubt that there's probably a customer service issue where they're not like they're not like going, hey we just defibbed her like there's probably not a there's not a button for that clear actually, yeah yeah like, you just three, get a two, text one. that says clear it just says <laughs> I mean, let's not go there, but this was pretty incredible. I mean, this is not pretty incredible. It was incredible. It was amazing. The service was amazing. The doctor called as soon as the surgery is over. The doctor that performed the surgery called me to tell me. Wait, what? Wait, what? The the doctor who performed the surgery called me to tell me everything went fine and to let me know that everything would go out and to answer answer any questions that I had. Yeah, crazy. Mayo Clinic. And and my question to my mom was, because my mom works in hospitals, like, why does this, why can this hospital operate this way and no other hospital can? Um, which I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, it's insane. Because if they can do it, everyone can do it. Everybody can do it. It's the Disneyland hospital. It's clean. People dressed in mouse costumes cut you up. It's it's weird. Is that true? No, (laughs) it is clean. Yeah, but nobody costume. If my surgeon came in in a in a furry costume, that's for a different type of surgery. (laughs) Listen, all I'm saying is that that could spice things up. It wouldn't be as grim. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, the fact is, <laughs> Listen, the fact is your mom's good. The good. procedure went well. It was a success. You didn't have any questions to the doctor? Like, you know, it's one of those things like, what am I going to ask him? He's like, what, what size knife did you use? Like, <laughs> he just told me everything was fine. And like, my sister's a nurse, and so she's got a stack of things she wants me to ask, but I'm going to I'm gonna pretend that I didn't get her message. And I hope you're not watching Steph. She's um, totally watching. Are you kidding me? She's totally watching. What's it like to be married to someone with the same name as your sister? Because I dated uh, someone with, this, with my same name as a brother. It's weird. Um, yeah. 
it's really, really weird. And it's not just that they share the fir same first name. They actually share the same first middle name. And technically now that my wife is a Smith, they, they would share the same full name, except now my wife's, uh, you know, my, uh, my wife, your my sister, sister is married. Changed, right. Changed hers. So yeah. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah, thank God. Thank God for that. But listen, here's the uh, thing. You could have just asked the doctor if he is boldly gone where no man, no man gone before. before. Which is right, it's true. Right into her heart back there, cleared up some blood clots, did the whole thing. If Gene Roddenberry were writing Star Trek today, would he write to boldly go where no human has yeah. gone before? I, well, they've or changed person? it. You know, honestly, they've done it. They've changed it. No one has gone before. I think a lot of the movies and stuff have changed it to no one has gone before. Good. I like yeah. that. I like that. So so there's a whole thing, right? That's what our guest is here today for, is, is to oh, talk I'm about stoked. the Star Trek stuff. I want to kind of do like a Star Trek uh, for uh, idiots. Uh -huh. You know, like it's not everybody is into, you know, like some people want to get into Star Trek. Some people so like, let's like approach it because, you know, our Alex knows everything. Right. Yeah. Heck yeah. Alex, we should bring him on. Right. And then we can talk about yeah, let's bring him on first and we'll talk about him. All right. Let's do that, because uh, without any further ado, our, our guest is returning today uh, from the decider. Ladies and gentlemen, Alex Zalbin. We love this. Hello. Alex, what's up? Love the hat. Love the look. Thank you. How you doing, buddy? Welcome. Star Trek Day. I'm all, uh, as the English say, kitted out today. I got the, I got the hat. I got a uh, disco discovery shirt. I got the Star like Trek that. communicator. I'm ready to go. Hold Let's that up again, Alex. The, oh, sure. Was that too again. quick? Yeah. That was a little quick. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. One to beam Shatner. up. <laughs> Who answers? Patrick Stewart or William Shatner? Uh, Any... Not yet. But I, but I, keep, on your... I keep trying. <laughs> and it would it be, depend on your own? It'd be Scotty or Chekhov. <laughs> Kirk doesn't run the transport. Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly, Why I am I it answering this? He would say. That, that's very good, by the way. Thank you. I think it only uh, depends on uh, who your uh, OnlyFans subscription is. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Kirk's I have Patrick William Stewart. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm on William Shatner's <laughs> OnlyFans. It is wild. He's constantly discovering new stuff. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about Star Trek. What the hell is going on, Alex? First of all, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm good. Yesterday, as the hat says, it was Star Trek Day. It was the 54th right. anniversary of the first episode of Star Trek. That's as we all separate celebrate our 54th anniversary. I know we all did. That's a regular thing we do. Uh, but they did a whole day of uh, screenings and panels and other things like that. So it was fun. I mean, particularly if you're a fan or they tried to gear it to the point of the show to a very casual fan as well, um, mm -hmm. where... I, like I'll put myself kind of in the middle. Maybe I've been watching Star Trek my whole life, but there's definitely points where I get in conversations where people talk about like the dynamics of transporters where I'm like, I don't know. Oh, I feel like a bad fan right now. So, I mean, Alex, you're, you're definitely not the middle. You're definitely leaning more toward that. <laughs> sure. I mean, if you can't see him, folks, again, he said he's got the Star Trek Day hat with the matching Disco Discover sweatshirt and his headphones, his glasses. I mean, he looks wonderful. <laughs> he's not in the middle, though. He's not no. in the middle. I just want to be clear. <laughs> I am in the middle. I am yes. the guy in the middle, right? So okay. I'm the guy who goes like, okay, so there's this Star Trek Day. I know about this. I like Star. I love Star Trek enough to know about that. Um, what I don't know is, let's just say, so Star Trek Day, what does this mean for CBS All Access? Are they mm -hmm. rebranding? How do they get into this thing? And were they trying to make it like a Comic-Con? Well, I think that's the difficult thing that they're wrestling with right now is that, not to throw Star Trek on the bus, but it's 
it's and i say this kindly it's a more limited universe than a lot of other universes like there's a lot of stuff that can go on there but it's been in a very even story mode and type of story mode for decades at this point yeah the original series which went a couple of seasons with william shatner at the helm that everybody knows very well that was spun off into movies but it lay dormant for a while until you had the patrick stewart series next generation then you had a spurt of interest there then it lay dormant again until the 2009 movies with chris pine and then see CBS All Access, which is probably very confusing for the casual fan, is doing its own continuity. Like it's it's separate from the Chris Pine movies. So you have the movies, which themselves have fizzled, and then it's you have the TV separate. show, completely separate from the JJ like, Abrams stuff. This is this is where you start to get into like heavy nerd stuff. But if you saw the 2009 movie, there's an event that happens that kind of separates off the timeline. So both timelines are valid, and they both branch off of the same timeline but they're different continuities. And when you tell somebody that you can see their eyes just like glazing over and they stop being interested in Star Trek immediately. Huh? And, but, that's, but that, wait, I have yeah. to interrupt. That's bullshit because DC is doing it uh, with the spot. This is mm -hmm. a thing. It's like, everyone's doing it. So, Oh, your eyes glaze over, but it's cool if it's DC, but if it's Star Trek, it's not cool. I feel like that's a little Star Trek. It's, it'd be, I think it's because it leans into get a little nerdier because they're trying to walk this line that a lot of nerd media product properties try to walk, which they're trying to, keep the old fans but build new ones at the same time so particularly star trek you have things like leonard nimoy being like well there was a bifurcating of the timelines and blah 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 whatever in the 2009 movie and that's mm -hmm. the sort of thing that's a wall versus dc is like yeah the joker's its own thing don't worry about it you know and it just sort of stops there so you stop worrying about it but uh, to get back to the cbs all access of all the thing that they're trying to push is a it is this global community of star trek which i think they did a really good job of with the Star Trek Day stuff, you just had some really wonderful fan interactions, some very sweet moments, not a lot of news, but uh, still an enjoyable day for Star Trek fans. But they also aim to make it as accessible as possible. The marathon of episodes that they were running were all like the very entry level Star Trek things, where it's like, here's an episode of Next Generation that just explains what Next Generation is. Here's a couple of cartoons from the animated series. You could just kind of get into them. And the panels, to the point, Oh, all I was going to say is to the point that yeah. they were running trivia during it. And as uh, I think I, I was lying about being in the middle, you're absolutely right about it. Uh, but <laughs> to the you. point I was yelling at my wife being like, what are these facts? Who are they for? Everybody knows this. Come on. You know, right. well, so. listen, this is OK. So a couple of things. First of all, uh, I was going to ask you about the panels. So yeah. uh, were there any uh, any panels that stood out? Anything super interesting or big star power? Well, I think we're showing off some uh, footage from Discovery right now. And there's uh, Micah Burton, who is LeVar Burton's daughter. There was a very sweet moment where LeVar Burton just burst in on a Voyager panel, presumably because they're quarantined together or something like that. Uh, but that was very sweet and cute, really pushed that community of Star Trek alums there. Uh, but Discovery, this is, this is kind of a controversial point, funnily enough, for hardcore Trekkers, but yeah. Discovery, I think, is a really good entry point. CBS All Access did a good job of it is set in this very weird, specific place in Star Trek continuity, where every time, frankly, I write about the show as a fan, I'm like, there are too many tabs open in my browser right now just to make sure I got all the research right. But if you're a casual <laughs> fan... It appeals to the 2009 movie fans because it's action, it's uh, intense, there's very basic character dynamics, but there's also like deep continuity things like, particularly in the second season, without getting too much into spoilers, 
it ties into the original pilot of Star Trek that never aired. So it's the sort of thing where it's the sort of show which they do very well, where it gives you all the information you need to know to just watch Discovery and just enjoy Discovery as a big, fantastic action space show. But at the same time, it has those shout outs for fans. It has those deep cuts where it is existing in a place in continuity or, or really between these places in continuity. Um, so you can enjoy it on both levels. Um, so if you are looking for an in, I think Discovery is a great in and it's also less of a deep dive they're entering the third season on i believe it's october 15th so all you really need to do is watch i think the first season was 16 episodes the second season 13 episodes uh they're all on cbs all access uh and as a bonus they're going to be airing the first season of discovery on cbs I like to call it regular access or broadcast <laughs> as some people call it uh so they're going to be doing that, that starting still in October. Exists. Yeah, Alex, that still exists. Broadcast is still around for now. For now, <laughs> okay, should be going away soon. I think. Uh, listen, I, I mean, you know, uh, okay. So wait, before I forget, two things. Yeah. First thing, totally going back, but you mentioned Leonard Nimoy, mm -hmm. rest his soul, and um, uh, I wanted to ask you if you knew uh, how he came up with the with the Vulcan symbol. Oh, you know, I don't know the story of that one. Actually, uh, I'm not know. sure. I mean, there's. It's Would funny like that, you know? uh, yeah, do you know? Yeah, yeah tell I me, do. I want to hear it. I do, I do. So being uh, Jewish, and I was raised in an Orthodox Jewish home, so uh, uh, pretty pretty stringent. We had Shomer Shabbos, which means we walked the temple, the whole nine, we were kosher. So one of the things, the, the holiest prayer in Judaism is the Shema, mm -hmm. right? And when you say the Shema, you're supposed to, you cover your eyes like this. So it's the side of your heart with your left hand. Leonard Nimoy, also the same, he grew up his whole life covering his eyes like this. But you always keep a little thing, especially when you're in temple. And he just took that to this. And that huh. became the Vulcan symbol. That is so interesting. Uh, there was mm -hmm. a story that uh, George Takei told on the original series panel, which was just him and Rod Roddenberry, who is the son, I think, of Gene Roddenberry, uh, talking to Will Wheaton. And Will Wheaton was floored by this because he had actually never heard this story before. But he talked about the uh, the famous episode where he goes wild in the halls of the Enterprise and he's fencing with a sword. Uh, and what he talked about with that, which I thought was so interesting, was originally he was supposed to run around with a samurai sword. And he said, well... Um, myself, George Takei, I love samurai swords and I love samurais and that's so cool. But this takes place in the far future. Would it make sense that he would have a greater span of history at his disposal? And so Gene Roddenberry said, well, what are you thinking? And he mentioned that as a kid, he used to play Robin Hood a lot, specifically based on Errol Flynn stuff. So they said, okay, why don't we try that? So I, I bring that up, not just because I think it's interesting in terms of that's Which why he's is. running around like Errol Flynn, but also <laughs> that he had this amount of input on Star Trek, that Leonard Nimoy had this input on Star Trek, that it was such a collaborative process is kind of fascinating. Well, I think we see it in the tenants of the show, and Jason and I talk about this a lot. I think Schitt's Creek takes this tenant, and uh, Ted Lasso takes the tenant. It's goodness all around, a good universe, do everything for others. Everyone's culture is accepted. Everyone's ethnicity or race or religion is accepted. And with that, I think Gene Roddenberry built a show that was very much inclusive on every mm -hmm. level. You know, what's your background? What's your religion? How would you like to put your personal thing into this? And we're seeing it. It gets me, you know, it gives me a little like chicken skin. 
Oh yeah, it's it's something that's been part and parcel with the franchise since day one, and it's something that I, I don't think they necessarily forgot, but I do think around when you get to for those who don't know it, there's a show called Star Trek Enterprise, the star Scott Bakula, and uh, that was a prequel that took place when they were like, we're just figuring out space. And it's not good. <laughs> it's not a good really? show. That's so weird. Yeah. Uh, it has uh, the most embarrassing theme song of any show of all time. Uh, oh, show run at uh, Brandon Braga? Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, But that thinking. thing, and then even the 2009, the J.J. Abrams movies, which I really enjoy a lot. Not, I think, not me. No, you don't like them? No, I did I, not. I, I, they're so. very different. Like, they're Star Wars. It's his trial run for Star Wars, right? So, guess, well, was that? Oh, yeah, that's really smart. That was his trial run for Star Wars. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it definitely is. So, I enjoy it on that level. But both of those things, like, I feel like they lose track of the core values that Gene Roddenberry set up with Star Trek. And that's clearly what they're trying very hard to get back with the current shows, particularly Alex Kurtzman, who is at the helm right now. Um, they talked about this quite a bit on Star Trek Day uh, to the point where, and I know we're getting far afield from Star Trek 101 now, but- No, 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 in, I like this. Go, go, go. In uh, in season three, they're going to be, of Star Trek Discovery, they're going to be introducing the first ever non-binary and trans characters in the show played by a non-binary actor and a trans actor, uh, which is- oh very cool that's amazing that's yeah. amazing that's and amazing. you couple that especially, with yeah go oh, ahead yeah uh i was just gonna say you couple that with uh like literally a couple there's uh anthony rapp and wilson cruz play a couple on star trek discovery uh one of them is dr hugh culber the ship's doctor uh the other one is paul stamets he's a biologist on the ship and they're not the first same-sex relationship in star oh, no, trek they history. obviously sorry i'm interrupting they obviously stole it from the orville right Oh, wait, oh, it was the other way around. There we go. Uh, but yeah, they're they're the first like Sorry. consistent married same-sex couple in the franchise's history. They have this soaring epic love story over two seasons. Uh, so it's the sort of thing that like they clearly are being very specific about putting that back in the ethos of Star Trek, which I really appreciate. But they're also making sure that it's in service of an exciting, fun sci-fi story at the same time. Well, you know, Alex, I, 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 what I'm hearing, I love everything I'm hearing, first of all, but uh, <laughs> we're not done at all. But what I want to say yeah. is I think we're seeing um, we're seeing this more and more on the heels, especially. Did you see the announcement from the Academy about yes. the new inclusions? Absolutely. I mean, we are seeing a more inclusive, more accepting, more compassionate humanity that we're trying to build out of art. And I think we're seeing this again and again. Well, I think it would, when you talk about something like the Oscar inclusion thing, and not to give a pluggy plug for Decider, but our film writer, Anna Menta, did a great job of breaking this down today. She wrote a piece for the site uh, to the point where I had read through the inclusion writer, writer uh, but I didn't necessarily get it. And she broke it down as like, this is easy. This is like bare bones level stuff that they should be hitting for these yeah. Academy Awards levels. Almost any movie. She is the specific example of the Irishman, which you think of as oh. the whitest of white movies, but I loved it. it but yes, yeah, but yes. even that yes. it would be fine under all of those levels that the Oscars set up. And I think that's what a lot of people who are pushing back, particularly from a certain side of the media are really missing here is something like the Oscars, something like these inclusion, uh, these new yes. roles that they're casting in Star Trek Discovery. They're just, they're the basics. There's the things you should be doing anyway. And But no one was. So it, exactly. Right. So, so you want to push back against something that's actually happening? 
You know, like, right. okay, yeah, it should have happened 20, 30, 50 years ago. Sure, it should have happened from the day we started filming stuff. But it's happening today. So, like, let's start from there. It's the Oscars. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not really changing anything. And hopefully, hopefully, particularly with the Oscars stuff, because it is bare level, it's the sort of thing that studios, of course, aim for the Oscars, right? They want to get the Oscars. They build pictures. They build their slates around the Oscars. So, of course, they're going to be like, all right, fine, we'll do this thing, and they'll drag their feet on it. But if you drag the, if they drag their feet enough times, it'll become something that is regular and par for the course and part of the process, which, like we're saying, it should be anyway. Right, exactly. And, and you know what? If they get excluded enough times by not doing these minimal minimal things that they're asking mm -hmm. for but listen i guess i look at it differently because the minimal stuff to me at least you're starting at least someone yeah. as big as the oscars is saying listen we know we're a hundred years overdue but here <laughs> here's a little here's mm -hmm. a little we're trying and at least if they try like you said the studios whether kicking or screaming they have to they have to come because they're only going to take a year or two of being excluded from that money train right well uh, the other thing that boggles my mind about it and maybe this is the wrong way of thinking about it but it's challenges are good. You know, these aren't even hard challenges. These are the lowest of hurdles. They're like hurdles that are about a foot off the ground. You know, you could probably clear them like a bump. Exactly. It's a speed bump. That's all it is. <laughs> if anything, but it's a speed uh -huh. bump onto a raceway to continue the metaphor. But well said the, the thing about it is like, if it is really challenging you to think differently, that's good. It stretches your creative muscles. It stretches the muscles of your studio. And ultimately, because Hollywood can be a very calculated, callous place about this, you can trumpet up that stuff and be like, look what we did. We really, we didn't just follow the Oscars uh, exclusion guidelines. We went above and beyond and then got best picture for it. Isn't that cool? Yeah, by the way, they're giving at least a little, you know, I want to say springboard, but we'll say mm -hmm. a little, you know, a little springy thing to at least jump on, <laughs> exactly. you know, and maybe get to another level, which would be nice. Yeah. Okay, let's exactly. get back to Star Trek. Sorry, sure. that was my that was my digression, and uh, thank you for taking a walk with me. <laughs> okay, so let's get back to what we were saying. So Discovery, we think mm -hmm. that's a good launch point, right? But what I wanted to ask you is, when they're doing these things and they're giving all these entry-level points at CBS All Access, how are they satiating the nerds mm -hmm. in us? Uh, I mean, I think that's part of the issue, honestly. You know, we were just, this does actually all tie together because like a lot of modern fan bases, there's a lot of pushback against inclusion. You know, I, there are a lot of fans and I would honestly argue probably usually the majority of the fans, it's usually a very loud minority, but there's always going to be some of these Star Trek fans. They got pissed off when Sonequa Noir and Green was named as the lead of the series just because she's black. She's right. awesome. She was on Walking Dead. She was awesome on Walking Dead. She's amazing on Star Trek Discovery. But it's the sort of thing they get pissed off about where they're like, oh, you're doing inclusion for inclusion shakes. And that's not what it is at all. They're casting <laughs> her because she's an awesome actress. She's yes. fantastic at the role. I, so, I just, this is, I'm so glad you bring this up again. Jason and I, we, we strive to do this every single show is how do we talk about everything that's going on through art and mm -hmm. you are just doing a lovely job of it because this is the built-in systematic racism we see and it's not you could say you're pushing back against the sci-fi universe but you're not the sci-fi universe is just a mirror and i'm sure there are fans also that do have their problems with star trek discovery you are not legally required to like star trek discovery or anything like that but particularly when the show launched a lot of fans 
were like, this is not my Star Trek. I'm not interested in this. And mm -hmm. I loved it because it's finally Star Trek with a budget <laughs> where they're really putting it on screen. They're getting deep in the characters. There's fascinating serial elements. There's darkness to it, uh, which I think was off-putting to a lot of people. You know, they want the they want Star Trek to be, and if you look at a lot of older episodes, particularly next gen stuff, just people hanging out, talking about philosophy, talking about Shakespeare. There are some amazing next gen episodes that do just that, but that's already been done. I've already watched that. I don't need to watch that again. Well, that, you come in with discovery. The thing mm -hmm. that's wonderful about this, and this isn't really a spoiler. I think you could see this coming, but this was, you don't care about spoilers. Here. Yeah. Don't you, don't you know that is, else? The first couple of episodes, nobody likes each other. Nobody knows each other. They're all very like bristly around each other, but it's very clear that it's this slow march to becoming a crew and becoming a family like the rest of the Star Trek shows. And that in particular is what I think is beautiful about the first season of that show and really appealing to newer fans is it brings them in in a new way, the same way that you're following Sonequa Martin-Green's character come in and meet and fall in love with the cast of Discovery. Um, Alex, Hi, and I could be wrong about this because I I'm in that middle ground too. But is this the first <laughs> one where the focus isn't on the captain, yeah. right? Because uh, every other one, yeah. it's, it, uh, the captain is the main uh, character, and in this one, and especially in the first two seasons, middle. it's the secondary character, <laughs> right? Are you? The, are you I think, middle? I think Cliff's razzing you. I, oh, it's yeah. class yeah. Raz. I would headbutt him if I was there. <laughs> that would seriously hurt. You have the biggest uh, head. Go on. But yes, that's correct. I mean, there there was this model set by the original series where you had William Shatner as Captain Kirk at the helm, and then they settled it again. You had uh, Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard in The Next Generation. Mm -hmm. So it was always like these captains. You had Kate Mulgrew on Star Trek Voyager. Uh, mm -hmm. You have, uh, I'm blanking out his name, guy who played Benjamin Sisko on Deep Space Nine, which that was the closest <laughs> they came to breaking the formula where it was not on a ship. It was on a space station so even that fans were like no this isn't star trek what are you talking about it's not on a ship they're not trekking anywhere yeah, they have to be exploring right exactly if yeah, they're not exploring but, it's not trekking right exactly but the thing that's kind of fascinating about that show in particular that's another good entry point i think because it's set on this space station that is in the border between warring zones it's set on a wormhole so it's sort of like uh, a spaceport you know it's like a western town where people keep coming through so it introduces you to all these races with these new characters in star trek in a new way and eventually with hindsight people look back at that as one of the best star trek series because it is the first one that really very heavily leaned into serial elements it did get very dark there was this whole war multi-episodes multi-seasons long war that went on in later episodes and that well, doesn't really the world the wait mode. alex oh yeah doesn't the world seem like uh kind of uh oh well i'll, I'll be nice and say homage to the cantina mm -hmm. right yeah well i it's specifically it's a ripoff of babylon 5 i mean you could get into a lot of arguments <laughs> about which order <laughs> yeah which order those came in but it's the same concept same idea yep. uh if i remember correctly i think deep space nine came out first um, but ba Babylon uh, 5 was in development first. I could be wrong about that. Um, I bet but, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, regardless, it is something that developed its own idea, its own aesthetic. Uh, and it always comes back to this idea that Gene Roddenberry put in there that it is about the triumph of the Federation and people together and this human spirit and it's this togetherness, inclusion. the inclusion that gets past everything. And Again, that's why I think fans 
in you know 10 20 years who hated discovery now will look back on it and realize oh oh they did actually do the right thing <laughs> there we go that was wait great. so by the way i agree with you and and let me ask you this is gene roddenberry's estate just getting paid for every one of these shows yes i mean all the time movies shows i mean his yeah. kid has to be the richest guy. Like, hey, he's up there with Bezos, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if he's up there with Bezos. I think a lot of it. I'm just I, I don't wishful know the, thinking. Yeah, I don't know the ins and outs of the rights. I mean, the thing that also makes it very complicated is the rights, as far as I know, are very split on Star Trek. Like, uh, it's all part of the same company now. Now that you have the Viacom CBS merger, but CBS and Viacom, two different companies. Viacom owned Paramount was doing the movies and that's why they're in a different continuity is you had Paramount doing the movies in one continuity, CBS doing their own TV shows in another continuity and they need to keep it separate. So um, well, we're seeing I, I'm a sorry to say Rod Roddenberry could probably take you out to a nice dinner, but not a very <laughs> nice dinner. Well, you see, and this is the uh, the BS that you have to deal with as a creator. But also, I think, you know, we're sorry, th th you're talking about a much bigger problem that exists, which is CBS All Access is getting lost in this mess. What mm -hmm. are they going to do? What are they going to do about this? Because no one cares right now, I'm thinking. Yeah. You know, except well, for us, who people like Star Trek. The There's a couple of also things. Also, people that who want the live feeds for Big Brother. <laughs> Sorry, my bad, my bad. No, that's really important. Like you can't undervalue Big Brother. That is honestly when they launched, I think that was more of a selling point than Star Trek. You know, Star Trek is a whittling fan base. Big Brother has stayed large the entire time. But I, I do think CBS All Access, there's two things that they were trying to do, and they've only gotten complicated. You know, one thing they were trying to do is really build up their original slate really slowly, uh, which is smart. I think, uh, but they really didn't have the critical acclaim to me when they launched and a lot of their launch stuff. It's like early Hulu who hadn't really figured it out necessarily in terms of the stuff they're doing mm -hmm. other than discovery, which is a big hit and big brother, which was already a hit. Um, there's nothing really there that was really capturing people and bringing them in the good Picard. wife, the Picard, Picard eventually, but, uh, they never outright stated this, but I think they clearly had a plan to do like, this is my pet theory. They had a plan to do 52 weeks of Star Trek, right? Like it would be going year round. You'd constantly have new Star Trek every week. The pandemic threw a big crimp in that, I think, in that plan in terms of the timing of that. But that's clearly something they're going back to. And I felt like giving myself a little pat on the back for having that theory pretty much since the beginning of CBS All Access because they immediately trumpeted when they announced the Star Trek Discovery premiere date that after Star Trek's Lower Decks, which is another, I, I don't love the show, but it's a good entry point because mm -hmm. it's a comedy show made by a writer from Rick and Morty uh, set in the Star Trek universe. So it's, it's mocking it. It's making fun of it. It's giving hey, you Jason, you like that show, right? Jason? It's all right. It's not, you know, I know Mike, you know, it's one of those things. I know Mike very well. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so that's I have what, a little that's bit of a saying. softer forgives for a forgiving heart. But yes, I kind of agree I with see. Alex. It's not bad. It's not great. Um, I like the best joke is that they name all the um, the the uh, ships in this show after like like the USS Modesto or the USS Cerritos, <laughs> <laughs> like old uh, uh, California, old like ships. broken down California towns. You know? Yeah, it's fantastic. So it's another like good that. entry point, but uh, they're running that currently. That's about halfway through its season, and they're going to be running Star mm -hmm. Trek Discovery. So immediately when they announce the premiere date of Star Trek Discovery season three, they say, "Great news! Twenty three weeks of Star Trek." 
I am sure the plan with filming was to go from Lower Decks to Discovery to they have two other shows. Uh, Picard has been picked up for his season two, so I'm sure they want to run that soon. Uh, and then there's also uh, Strange New Worlds, which is a spinoff of Discovery that focuses on the original Enterprise crew, which everybody loves. They showed up in season two and everybody's like, these characters are great. It's played by uh, Anson Mount plays uh, Captain Pike, who was in the original Star Trek pilot. There's Rebecca Anson Romaine. Mount? Uh, Anson Mount, you might know him from Inhumans. I do. Marvel's no, I know Inhumans. him from the, uh, no, no, no. I no. know him from, no, you're going to laugh. I know him from the Britney Spears movie. Crossroads? He was in Crossroads? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, man. Look it up. Yeah, look it up. Oh, it's wow. a mount, baby. That guy can act. I like him yeah. a lot. He's great. Uh, Rebecca yeah. Romaine is in it as well. And this is something that's like supposed to be... She's she's actually pretty good on the show. Like, she's fun. Really? She has a fun role on it. Uh, she plays number one. They're very serious number two in command. Um, and it's it's cute. It's fun. Uh, they have Spock on the show, a new character actor playing Spock named Ethan Peck, who's very mm -hmm. good as well. And that's supposed to be more traditional Star Trek done in one adventures. Um, they got stimmied by the pandemic. But again, I think probably the idea was to like run that after Discovery was done. Now there'll be a little bit of a break there. But uh, this is a long way of saying one part of their plan is doing 52 weeks of Star Trek. I think the second part of their plan, which now that the merger is done between Viacom and CBS, is they're going to be rebranding CBS All Access to something else. And that, in my mind, is very smart if they can get the CBS all out of there. Because even if CBS is still the That's... biggest broadcast network, it has this weight holding it down of it is the network for old people who like procedurals. And so if I was going to subscribe to a service, I would think, oh, CBS All Access has Blue Bloods and NCIS and CSI, and I'm done. But that's not yeah. what it is at all. Yeah, there's someone in the hallway there going, what did Belisario create <laughs> 40 years ago? Rip him off and put it on the air. <laughs> what do you got, Jason? <laughs> oh, I, well, I'm, I'm red lighting. I got to put oh. the red light out. But I also wanted Damn to know, it. like... Wasn't Enterprise, wasn't Scott Bakula Pike also? Is this a retcon of that? Or was that a different show? Am I no, he, he was uh, he was Captain Archer. Oh, that's right. Name. He was Archer. That's right. They had yeah. Pike in there a little bit, and they've done they've yes. shown him a little bit, but this is still a new new thing. That's what yeah, this thinking. is a new thing. This is Pike. It ties into the continuity of the mm. original series. Uh, there's uh, teases and tie-ins there with some pretty famous episodes, but it's still to the ethos of uh, you know bringing in new viewers it's still very much its own thing even when they're tying in stuff they give you all the information you need to know but if you're writing about it regularly like i am you end down this very deep hole every time you try to look stuff up well and and, and i think the nice thing about discovery which is, it was a great entry point for me too is this next season they're going far into the future they're going further than anybody's gone mm -hmm. right so this hopefully will be something that nerds have never seen and nobody's ever seen and we're going to get to some really interesting stuff out of this yeah this is uh something that i think is actually very cool and ties into what we were talking about earlier is uh, at the end of season two they were thrown 930 years into the future to i believe it's year 3381 or something like that which is one of those things where i was like flip open memory alpha look at the star <laughs> trek timeline where does this fall with next year you know and, and just middle alex yeah. middle. <laughs> definitely, not middle. definitely not middle i love alex uh, uh but 
Yes. But the thing that is it's cool about it is they're setting it and we don't know a lot about what's going to happen in the season, but it takes place far from any of the other shows. There none of the characters are pretended probably alive anymore that we've seen previously, other than the Discovery crew. And they've come to a future where the Federation doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. It's just a memory. Something terrible happened between the time where Discovery jumped to the future and now where it's completely fallen apart. And getting back to what we were talking about earlier, it is this idea of like, hmm. how do we get back to this place where people are together, where we use yes. the power of togetherness, the power of inclusion yes. to bring back this hope in the universe. And that's such a powerful, smart idea that ties into the core ethic of Star Trek. Uh, I'll admit they showed off the trailer as part of Star Trek day. And there's just this thing where everybody is hugging each other. And I was like, I, I was crying because, yeah. you know, not only is it beautiful in terms of Star Trek, but just for something like that to come out right now, when people are not allowed to touch each other <laughs> or see each other, it's that nice. their whole thing is like, let's get everybody back together. I'm, I'm very excited to watch this new season and see what happens. And potentially, it may actually be a new, a good new endpoint as well, because obviously you're following these characters within the previous two seasons, but they've mm -hmm. gone as far as to revamp the logo, revamp the look of the show. So I, I don't know because I haven't seen any of the episodes, but it really does feel like it might be this brand new start for the show and for fans who want to jump on board right now. Maybe do that with all access and then we're batting there a thousand. Go. No, yeah. wait, before you go, before you go, before you go, I just yeah. did this one thing. You're the managing editor of Desider, correct? That's correct, now, yes. What I just learned, though, today, which I didn't know, Desider is, is owned by the New York Post? Mm-hmm. I, I just, this is fascinating. So you're a boss. You, you, you are a boss. You have people that work for you. I'm surrounded by two of the best bosses right now. Like, I feel Aww. like I'm, it's in a great boss sandwich. Like, how'd you like to work? I know how it is to work for, wait, this this guy. I'd like, like to work for this guy. Man, I'm saying it's not bad. All right. Alex Zalbin, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, buddy. See you, see you next time. Thanks for having week. me on. Hey, yeah, please come back. Oh, always. Oh. <laughs> I love sir. it. To you too, sir. I, I really do. We have to have him back. I like Scott knows how to, uh, Porch knows how to keep the right people on the porch. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Mm -hmm. I love Alex. He's such cool. Well, and, he's and, very smart. He knows his stuff. You can't really trip him up. You tried twice. Didn't work. No, well, and it's not even that I'm trying to trip him up. It's like I know I mess up, and he knows how to correct me, like without making me feel like an idiot. That's what I like. It's like he's like, oh, I think you're, I don't think you're right, and then, but he doesn't go, um, you're stupid. <laughs> so is that how it would sound in your voice? Is that's that how it. Well, that's how everybody who corrects stupid? me sounds. Anybody who goes, you're wrong, goes, eh, you're stupid. That's what it sounds like in my head every time I write a comment on Facebook. Um, but Alex like is always really good about that though. <laughs> Let's get Ron. Can we call Ron up and just get him to say that exact line like that so we can use it as an audio button? But seriously, get Ron and get in touch with Ron. Okay, please. We have we must uh, you're stupid. But we need we need Ron saying that so we can press a button always. All right. That was great. Alex Zolbin. By the way, how would you like to have that guy? If I, as a writer, if I'm a writer, I have to write a daily thing or mm -hmm. three times a week. That's a good boss to have. It's a good boss to have. Yeah. Do you think, do you think they have space underwear in Star Trek? Do you, do you think that those, those outfits come with space underwear? I think if they did, they'd be MeUndies. Would they bet they would, too. I have Star Trek MeUndies, by the way. I have. No. Yes. I'm not wearing them right now. I'm wearing them, um, and I shouldn't be able to just look down and do it, but I'm wearing Orcas today. Um, but that that is the best ad read you could give. Are we doing this ad read right now? We're doing no. it. We got a minute. We're gonna do it in a minute. Oh, though. good. 
I like okay a minute. We can't talk for like five minutes. On no the minute. We're gonna do minute. You're running out of time. Hurry it. up. Get moving. Okay, good. Well, it's hard because they <laughs> micro modal. That's what micro, it is. It's the micro modal, right? Micro M O D A L. Micro modal. Yep. This this proprietary. It's like it's like what the Patagonia guy did, except they did it for your nether regions with your soft. And, with your, your soft, soft, soft regions. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's right. And on top of it, they got sustainable beechwood trees. What do I love, Jason? You love sustainability and pulp. I love sustainability. And you like pulp, pulp? to yarn. Pulp to yarn. That's Wait. right. 15% pulp off to yarn. MeUndies if you use offer code STUCK, as in I'm stuck in this pair of MeUndies, I'm going to put another pair on because I, I don't want to get out of them. You can't get me out of these MeUndies. I'm stuck in here. Get the onesie, too. I'm telling you, you laugh. I, I keep talking about the onesie. The onesie is so you don't ever, it's easy to take a, so you have the shirt. You could even wear a t-shirt with the onesie, and then you put the onesie, and it's hanging. It's a, You got a fashion statement. I'm saying sustainability, beechwood trees. They're not killing them. They're just using the pulp. They're turning it to yarn. They got this micro-modal, modal. 15% off. MeUndies.com, stuck. Use offer code stuck. And we're done. <clears throat> Out. Time okay. for the vow. Listen, this is what's great about Jason, too. I mean, there's so many things, but, but he really, when we started this a while ago before we were doing this and we were just doing the uh, Cliff Dorfman show, he was so like, oh, just like, maybe we could get a timer. And like, I'm like, three hours. <laughs> yeah, we tried it. It's like every 20 minutes, we're going to take a break. Nope. Four hours in, yeah. it was like, all right. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then he slowly got one of those pinch collars on me. And he was like, Kick. And I'm like, oh, one minute. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to do one of those things where it sprays the orange every time I do it. It's like, oh, yeah, you went over 60 seconds. You digressed. Interrupt again, motherfucker. <laughs> I can't help it, man. My brain. Listen, listen, this is great for an hour. I have to live with it the other 23. Okay. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk about the vow, right? The vow. How, what do we got? We got some time. All right. We got some time. Let's talk about right. the vow. So you I want to get into this. Want me to I want to go into this, but I want to tell you a little story um, that it's kind that. of fun. No, it's just an interesting thing. So my dad, um, joined this company when you know when i was younger uh with, that taught juvenile detention you know worked at a, like with juvenile kids and helped them kind of understand how to do stuff and become better people and like stay out of jail right and like it was kind of like one of those stepping stone places where you know it was either go to the california youth authority for gangbanging or go to this place right and as part of that they did a lot of these leadership things at this place called rapport Right? That's like and The it, Rock, right? The Rock did yeah, that. Yeah, Rock movie same, similar. Similar. That one's probably a little more of like the jail setting type thing, but in that same vein, mm -hmm. where they okay. did play football against everybody and they had sports, and that was really the thing that they tried to teach. You know, the kids. Gridiron gang. Yeah, gridiron gang. Right. Education right. through sports. Um, but you know, they did all these leadership things in this at this company called Rapport, and Rapport was, you know, you go in there, and you know, I'd hear the stories from my dad about, you know, they bend bars and break wood. And, walk on coals and so he sent me to a child's rapport class right and it's like or teens it's like teens and it kind of messed me up because i came out of it like not wanting to listen to authority anymore but it was one of those places where like you screamed and they yelled at you and you did trust falls um yeah this is the the the, the logo was jfdi which was just fucking do it um tracy went too <laughs> Um, and there was like, there were these sessions where you'd like get really heated and they'd kind of kind of come at you and you'd like emotionally break down a little bit and then um, and I'm telling you this now because I don't really care about it anymore and I don't think of it in the same light maybe as I did when I was a kid, but it was like, you can't tell anybody what you've done here. You right. can show them your broken wood. You can show them your bent bar. You can show, you know, you can tell them that you had a thing. They can come to your graduation where you just basically scream the uh, national anthem as loud as you can at people <laughs> while you run around a, like a stage. 
Um, and you make these people, these friends that, you know, that, you know, you connect with these people over two days and you think you're, they're your best friends for the rest of your life because you've gone through this big emotional journey, you know, all that stuff. Right. And when I think about that, I, th- th- it leads me into the vow a lot because those, it was the same basic kind of stepping stones. You get into this place, you get into this thing where you have this very, uh, specific type of connection where they're trying to break you down into, uh, in a set way. And then they tell you, you can't tell anybody. It's make, you make, it makes it a secret, something that they have to learn that they have to pay for, something that you have to protect from the rest of the people that you share with only this group. Right. So high control situation. Mm-hmm. But, under the, but, but under the guise of self-empowerment, right? High control well, everything under self-empowerment. Is, right. Everything's under the guise of self-improvement. Everything is under the guise of you're broken, we can fix you. That's that's the that's the number one foundation underlying foundation cement of of any cult, right? Or any self help, really. Mm-hmm. And and self help. Listen, self help is a great thing. It's a great industry. There are some amazing people. There's some titans of it that are doing wonderful stuff and and research that goes beyond you know even like discovering the heart brain and the gut brain and so on. These are things that we are just finding out more and more of. The problem is when you get these charlatans, these snake oil salesmen, so to speak, the Charlie Mansons. Okay, that's one extreme. The vow is the next extreme. Uh, I didn't mean to totally cut you. Go. No, no, no. It's fine. I think you're right. And and like I was saying, I think it's self improvement. But I think when you say control, the the thing that they're trying to teach you also that that the the paradox is self empowerment. You know, not just self improvement, but they're trying to teach you to be your own person, empower your own life, to do things, but under control, which is a like exactly the opposite, right? It's an oxymoron. Yeah, you, you, they're tricking you into thinking you're very, very right and very smart. You're, you, they're tricking you into thinking we're empowering you when really what we're doing is we are taking away your entire belief system and then we are building it back up with our belief system mm-hmm. so you are completely dependent on us. And if you leave us, you have nothing. That's the opposite of empowered. Right, right. Uh, right? So we could well, start and, there just I mean, with that. It, you know, and we'll, you know, I'm going to go one, take one side step just for a second because I was in go. basic training, right? Mm. Same. I was in ROTC. Question. You win. Yeah. Go. <laughs> but yeah, you, you know, do. I went to Air Force, right? But that's the exact same thing. They, they, they. You walk in there dressed in your regular clothes, think you're a normal person, and people ridicule you for dressing normal, right? You, you know, that all the everybody's dressed the same. Everybody's in their military gear except the brand new recruits who they're making fun of. You're, you know, you're the rainbows, and everybody's, ma- you know, and you're a piece of shit because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> And they break you down over the first few weeks. Nothing you do is right. Mm. You could do everything perfect, but nothing you do is right. And then right after that, you come back through and you, you know, they, they work you through um, every piece of it until you come back built out. Like I remember, um, what is that song? I'm proud to be an American, uh, but at least I know I'm free. That one. Um, oh, yeah. What was that? Wasn't Billy Cyrus? Was no, it's it was way older than that. But like, well, the, the man who died and saved his life for me. They play that during like the middle of like a like a um, like you watch this video and like everybody's crying. And like you're not supposed to you're not even need to stand up. You're just supposed to be sitting watching this movie. and People are standing up and crying. And then right after that, they go into the Tootsie Roll and everybody says, it was weird. But like, but you, you, but wait, empower- you're making a larger point. I'm making a lot larger point. This yes. is how that's how the military is built. You know, when you're, you're building armies with the same methodology that you're building these 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 pieces. Desensitization, right? Yeah. They desensitize you. They they make you think as a group, not as an individual. Mm-hmm. Right? You follow one leader, yeah. whoever that leader is, they tell right. you. And now, but so, so, okay. 
Everything you're saying, yes, uh, 100%. I mean, you look at, this is the, again, I use the word tenant a lot today, but this is the basic tenants for any cult. Mm -hmm. So Jim Jones, Guyana, right? Starts out as a church. Mm -hmm. Just starts as a church. We're going to help. We're going to help. We're going to give money to the community. And then he becomes more powerful. (laughs) What do you got? What's Jesse? Jesse just (laughs) said, I think they have to sing that right before uh, they they carve the turkey. (laughs) Stand up next to you and offend her till the day. Yeah. Well, we all bleed red. So, so I think it's another country song too, by the way. <laughs> so, why I say this is the this is the underlying tenets of any cult. You want to build a cult, you start with uh, we can fix you. You're broken. I thought for a second I was like because I like to see everything. I don't want to just rag on stuff without mm-hmm. seeing it. So I went to the celebrity center mm-hmm. at uh, you know in Beechwood, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I got to go in the separate entrance, like the VIP entrance, and and, uh, I I took a class. So the first class, right? Mm -hmm. And this class you take, and now why I went, you know, was for research. But, you know, listen, if it was fantastic, I, you know, who knows what would have happened, right? But here's what I, I immediately learned. The first class they give you is you sit there and they give you paragraphs to read. And every word you like, you're like, oh, I know the meaning of that, but I'm not positive I know the meaning of that. You have to stop in the middle of the sentence and then look up the word. And then, right, and the meaning, the correct meaning, write down the correct meaning, then write 10 sentences using the word with the correct meaning. What that is is an overabundance of work to get you into a repetitive state and make you realize that you don't know anything. Everything you thought you knew, you didn't know. That is the first thing of a, of a cult. You have, your belief system is done. Right. Done. So Keith Rainier and Nexium, right? That's yep. what starts this. And, and I have to tell you, I think the guy was on to something that could help people. That's the right. worst part. Of, well, the worst part is... Huh, yeah, that's, okay, the, we'll get there. But that's the real sh- sadness of, of, you know, power. Right. Well, and, and I think that, that's, that that holds true to a lot of these things. Like, I don't dis, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't have any ill will towards the, the, the rapport things that I did. I don't have any, you know, I, and I thoroughly believe that the, the, the basic training and my time serving helped really build a better me, you know, um, and even, you know, and I take this as far as, you know, I had a life coach for a long time and I did ayahuasca with my life coach and, you know, and, and, uh, and th- th- there's a certain amount of that deprogramming in a meditation and in, in, in any of that kind of exploration too, that the, it, it, it runs a very similar gamut. Everything does that. It's how you utilize that after the fact, you know, and this show really tells you where you can, you know, where the wrong people can take it. You know, you start out and these people are so nice to her like they, she thinks they're goofy she's like these people are goofs like that first episode when that that lady's walking in she's like okay, oh, these wait. guys are goofs okay wait so let's talk now about the show let's let's yeah. start because the so the vow it's based on keith rainier and this nexium cult so the fir- what i like about this jason you're talking about the first episode is why i stopped you um is is this this documentary series seems different than most to me are you are you feeling that in yeah structure? absolutely uh-huh absolutely Right. You know, because it, it's, it's really burying the leads. You don't really get to the part where they get super scary till part three, and they don't even really reveal it. Right. They don't even really reveal it. So basically, you, you start out with this woman, Sarah, and Mark Vicente, who directed and wrote the, uh, well, I don't know if you could write a documentary per se, but uh, uh, what, what the bleep, bleep do we, we know? Right? I mean, serious talent, this guy. 
But he, like everyone else, he suffers, you know, he was suffering with depression and things, and he wasn't happy, he wasn't getting what he wanted out of life. Someone turns him on to this Nexium, mm-hmm. right? And uh, then they, they think he's a, a... So you start to see in the first episode even, right, that they, they're trying to use the Scientology business model a little bit. Mm-hmm. They got the private jet. They're, they're trying to target an entertainment person. They fly right. out to impress him, to recruit him. Right. Into well, well, and at this point, they're not even doing that, going that far with it. It's still fairly small potatoes. It's one city, one place. But yeah, they're, they're trying to roll out that carpet to get this guy, this, this guy who would be considered a, you know, a celebrity only in a very specific circle, like a circle of like transcendental, you know, side, you know, not Mark Vicente, Mark Vicente. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. South African and holds a lot of guilt from growing up during apartheid. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a very, very sweet. You can tell the guy is very sweet, very compassionate, genuine dude. And he is open, unfortunately, for him. And they start to drag him in to this thing. And, and the problem is it, it starts helping him. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. And, and, and people who get involved in these things, if it starts helping you, that's, it's great, but it's a problem. Too, right. because then now you're you, now you got your first hit of crack, and the rest is going to cost you. Yep, exactly. Well, and, and you know that when it starts to help you, like why are you gonna? Why would you listen to somebody who said, "Well, this is this is crazy," right? right? You're you're toxic. Never, nobody's going to tell you, you. You're never going to get the, hey, um, you know this thing you're doing? It's weird, and you're like, why? I just sold another book, I or great. I just got yeah. another movie. I feel great. I've never been right. happier in my life. My my career's been blown up because I'm following these rules, like. No, right. and then you start stopped. going. You're sh- you're using Schadenfreude, you know. Yeah. You're, you're, it's Schadenfreude, and, and and that's you know bullshit. Now get out of my life, and that's how mm-hmm. you start cutting out all mm-hmm. the you know suppressive, toxic, whatever word you you know the the belief system. Right, and each one has a different one. So this is the suppressive. You know, that's no the, suppressive that's, is uh, suppressive it, is Scientology. Suppressive is Scientology. This one was dis. Oh all- yeah, there was. Um, look it up. So, so uh, because uh, there was another word for it that they use, but yeah, they each come up with their own word, and um, he gets pulled in, right? And he gets pulled in very gently, uh, and he starts like workshopping these things. Oh, and they start with the sashes. That's what it is. It's a colored sash. So first you're a student, and then you're a teacher, and then you get stri- It's like a black belt and a thing. proctor, so- and then a yeah. And right. only everybody has a name except the two people, which are the well, the the two vanguard. Leaders. Vanguard. Like Vanguard and wasn't it a proctor or no someone can be a proctor no it uh, was like were... Vanguard and then something a little bit lower than that but yeah right the Saltzman Nancy Saltzman woman who was his second in command mm-hmm. you know so she knows what's going on and then her daughter is you know gets involved with that I I, I jump ahead to, to three her daughter scares me I have to tell oh, you yeah, yeah yeah we'll get to her that's a that's a... yeah but yeah I mean so okay so they pull him in very gently Right. And we start to see that, that, you know, he's starting to like his life. Prefect Prefect. is the. Thank you. Yeah. Well done. So we start to see he's starting to like his life. Right. And then he meets Sarah who comes in. That's the person we open the show on. And Mm -hmm. what did you think of her? She seemed like somebody that I know. She was, you know, seemed like a nice, normal person that I worked with, probably in either HR or accounting and seemed like a nice lady. Yep, she wants to be an actor. Normal. She's not getting where she wants to in audition. So again, we see them taking this Scientology. Oh, you're an actor. We can help you. You know, you're in show, but like, come on. You know, you bring us Hollywood. And okay, so they don't see that because they're starting to have fun. And then I guess they all get pulled to this mandatory volleyball. What is it? Every night? Uh, I think it's not every night, but they start doing it. Like they have these little parties and stuff. 
Well, it's about exertion. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Jim well, we're Jones not even that far yet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so go ahead. So they go ahead. haven't gotten that far, but you know, you you look at it, and you know, this is founded in 1998. By 2003, there were over 3,700 people have taken part of these classes, which include Richard Branson took these classes, Vicente Fox's daughter, uh, Vicente Fox being the Mexican president, the Surgeon General uh, had taken these classes. Like they have a lot of people that had gone through this thing. Like they managed to really build up a re relationship with a lot of people and, you know, supposedly help through these courses by this time. Right. So there's a lot of, you know, they have a lot of, you know, they have a lot of people that go in and maybe take a class think it's goofy, take another class, you know, cause their boss makes them do it. And then by three or four classes in they're hooked into the system where they, they want to grow and yeah. And, and they, they feel changed and they want to, they want to be a part of more of these classes. They want to volunteer for it. Yeah. Yes. And, and also they have this, the leader, Vanguard, Keith Rainier, who mm -hmm. they've set up as a, a multi-degree, right? Uh, he mm -hmm. has like two or three ma uh, degrees, correct? Right. Uh, yeah. uh, like he's got a PhD, a ma I don't know if it's a PhD, but he's got a master's in, in chemistry. And then there was something that was very impressive, allegedly. And he's got what I heard mentioned a few times. I don't know if this is true. The highest IQ in the world, which right. sounds like. You know. Sounds like that sounds like uh, same same thing with Kim Jong Un, um, right? Uh, but but you know, but does he like? Is there like actual documentation? But people are believing it, and and the stuff he's coming up with, it's based that he's got patents. Mm -hmm. He's got a lot of patents, you know, based on real math, that is documented. Yep, and I can't even really find his education on here. I'm looking at his early life and uh, and education, and he just went to Nor he went to the Rochester Poly. Technic Institute and graduated with a 2.6. Um, yeah, it's a multi. And you see, he's very short. Yep. And and in this first episode, you don't, you know, as, if, as we move through this, you don't even really see him or hear him. He's not really the voice of this. It's it's exploring it from the person, the other people's view, where he's just kind of this guy that sits back and is in control of it that you don't want to upset, but also not somebody that like is out there being the presence for this whole thing. Well, he's more like the wizard, you know, and, mm -hmm. and uh, Nancy Saltzman is her name, the, yep. the number two. She's the like, ooh, you might get to meet Keith. Keith wants to meet you. <laughs> Keith is interested in what you're talking about. You know, and so, <laughs> Keith said you're very pretty. And that's where it went weird. But, you know, listen. I was just thinking that's how I was introduced to Dan Harmon, too. And not like <laughs> Dan Harmon thinks you're pretty. Dan <laughs> wants to talk to you. But like that was like, hey. If you do, you know, because we were working some other stuff, it's like, hey, if you keep working on this stuff, Dan's going to want to talk to you. Dan says he wants, he's ready to talk to you now. Dan wants to meet you. Watch out. He smells. Dan weird. really likes what you're doing. Yeah. Don't comment on Dan's smell. Um, <laughs> I love you. Okay. So, but, but by the way, I believe Keith Rainier probably smelled pretty bad too. This is a guy who did not get laid ever. And, you know, he's a real like, mm, yeah. and listen, by the way, if you're a genius, you deserve everything you get after you help people. But that's what's given to you, not what right. you're using to take and manipulate and sex traffic. I, we'll get there. I, I mean, this is this is so because when it came out, you know, in the new, I don't watch the news. So then right. it filters. So right. I hear oh, the, 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 the Allison Mack woman from the Smallville thing. She's involved in a cult. They branded yeah. themselves. I'm like, I don't want to hear anymore. But yeah. this now. OK, yeah. so, yeah, that's what so we're getting in there. And so these people, you know, and, this, you know, you, we could get back into the system of it. But that really is what happened. And then, like you yes. said, they start they start really targeting famous people or people as famous as they can. And that's, you know, you get your Richard Branson in there. And they actually didn't get Allison Mack first. They got um, her co-star, Kristen, uh, the girl who played uh, Lana Lang in Smallville, 
to be a they part got a of girl it. from Battlestar Galactica too. And they got a girl from Bar- Battlestar Galactica and um, they got them first and then they got Allison and, and Allison just jumped in full full force, right? Yeah, she you know, was uh, they were on she, yeah. They were on different planes. I think Kristen felt like her career was moving a lot forward a lot faster than Allison was at that time. I bet you know, I, I remember this. Like, oh, really? Because Allison that. was on Smallville, right? Wasn't she, she was like on Smallville? Was Kristen. Kristen was no Kristen was the Lana Lang. Allison Mack eventually was taken off the show. She was like the sidekick buddy of oh. the thing. So she was never like the main, even the like in top billing in the female roles. She's always number two. Um, and she um, wanted to be the leading lady, so yeah. she became the leading lady in Nexium. Yeah, Nexium. yeah, right. I mean, okay, so they start with Sarah, who again is a very compelling character, and mm-hmm. you know, she's very open. Very honest, very vulnerable. Um, and, you know, you see her notebooks, like with all the, the coursework and everything she did. And they're going through all this old video. So you're seeing her as this more raw, more, you know, uh, open woundish type of, you know, uh, you know, soon to be survivor. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, right. and, uh, you know, she meets her. We find out she's going to meet her, you know, her significant other, as does Mark. And then what we realize is Mark and Sarah now they're paths start to cross in a very nice beautiful like if it was in the real cool world yeah if it was the real world outside of a cult they'd still be which they are i guess you know be best friends in business together yeah. there was no weirdness no creepiness they were true friends yep absolutely and 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 we're gonna have to cut this pretty quick but ah. um but uh the one other thing that i want to get to about this just real quick and in just a couple of minutes is they also start building an infrastructure for this. This Nexium becomes not just one business, but a dozen businesses and two dozen businesses where everybody's running a special portion of it. Like this is for females. This is a yoga class. This is a this is a bros surfing, you know, seminar. So Nexium becomes a series of small businesses all run within this infrastructure. So now you can Pyramid. get most, yeah, well, even differently, you can get all your needs met by staying siloed within this community. You don't need to go out and get information from anywhere else because you can do yoga the Nexium way. You can do, you know, surfing or, or CrossFit the Nexium way. Right. Nexium fit. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And this is, you know, and this is how uh, dangerous uh, and slippery a slope this is, especially if you're, you know, like a normal person looking for something a little more. So I guess we have to leave it there. Right. We'll leave it there for now. Um, our next episode is very exciting. We have the director from uh, Class Action Park here. Oh, I can't wait. Fucking awesome. I can't wait for that. I mean, class fucking action park. I can't yeah. wait for talking to this guy. Uh, by the way, it's like the most downloaded uh, documentary uh, in the Of course the it is, because it looks like the best thing in the world. And ev- every wa- HBO every, Max. Every mom is sitting there going, I can't believe that place existed. And every, every dude is going, oh, I can't believe that place existed. And it's so My mad. My parents they, still don't know. realize I went. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so we have to go, but I am so psyched for tomorrow. Um, stay safe, stay sane, stay strong. Jason Smith. Cliff Dwarfman, I love you, everybody. Take care. People love the world. It's time.